Good morning, and thank you for tuning in to Fantasy Frenzy here on Sports 1440, brought to you by Wilhawk Beef Jerky, Alberta's best beef jerky locations in Leduc, Spruce Grove, and right here in West Edmonton Mall, wilhawkbeefjerky.com. Connor, Hallie, Brandon, Douglas, and Donnie P. I think that's what I'm going to go with, our intern, Donovan. Donnie P. joining us here as we are going to talk fantasy sports for the next hour here before we hand things over to Alan Mitchell and the lowdown with Low Tide. Coming up on the show today, of course, we'll talk about the Oilers. We'll talk a little fantasy football because uh, we got four fun games coming up this weekend, and you've always got that daily fantasy. So uh, Alan Seslowski is going to join us from Rotowire, also with Sirius XM Fantasy Radio. You can hear him Sunday mornings from 7 to 8 a.m. Mountain Time. Also, if you want to get in on the conversation, one 401 is the text line. You can get us on email. Connor at sports1440.ca. Also, Brandon at sports1440.ca. And then on Twitter slash X, at Connor Halley, at BDouglas1440, at Donovan Paulson. Yes, sir. That's it. Also, you can give the station a follow on uh, Twitter slash X at sports1440. Also, highly recommend uh, looking over to Facebook, Instagram, Threads, Blue Sky, any form of social media, we're out there. And uh, give us a follow because you never know when we might uh, be throwing some tickets out there. Could be Oilers, could be Oil Kings, could be one of our hats. We give away a autographed Ryan McLeod t-shirt. There's lots of stuff coming. So uh, make sure you give us a follow across all those social media platforms. And uh, also on Apple, Google, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast from, hit that auto download as well. We uh, really appreciate that in advance. Uh, last night, the Edmonton Oilers victorious over the Seattle Kraken, another game where maybe not their best start. They give up an early goal, but they bounce back and find a way to get the win. Leon Dreisaitl factoring in on all of the Oilers' goals. One goal, three assists for four points. Connor McDavid extending his home point streak to 15 games. The Oilers now 12-0 in their last 12. With that, they jump ahead of the LA Kings in the standings. The Kings falling to the Preds 2-1. The Preds now jump into a tie with the Oilers, but the Oilers have four games in hand. Uh, in this game last night, uh, we saw you know, kind of what the Edmonton Oilers do. They, they find ways to just wear teams down despite giving up the two goals at, at the beginning. They hold off the Kraken, limit the damage, and find a way to come back and win it. Uh, Got to say, I think Warren Fogle robbed of an opportunity for a Hattie. There was a lot of hat tricks around the NHL. David Pasternak, TJ Oshie, Austin Matthews. Fogle probably could have had a chance, but uh, that slash, that ghost slash got him too bad. A dry saddle with his four-point game. That was the 25th time he's done that in his career. Tied with Glenn Anderson for fifth most in franchise history. I got to think, 25 four-point games would probably have you at the top of a lot of franchise lists. Unfortunately for the Oilers, uh, Wayne Gretzky did it 158 times. Yari Curry did it 45 times. McDavid's done it 35 times. And Messier at 27. So two more, and Leon Dreisaitl will tie the moose. But my goodness, Wayne Gretzky, 158 four-point games. That's crazy. Well, you don't become the uh, all-time leading goal scorer or point getter both in the NHL without, uh, you know, dialing it up uh, on individual (laughs) nights, you know, length of career, consistency, being the greatest player to ever put on the skates. Uh, yeah, I think probably more than a few four-point nights. Uh, that many? That that does actually surprise me. That That's ridiculous. I want to, and maybe our, our intern can look into this one, 158 times he did that. 
Just want to scroll here and look at his career statistics and how many games played. 1,487. Like, the math tells me 10% of his games, he just went off for four points. That's, yeah. Like, if, you, if, if sports betting was legal back then and you just hit the over three points, every one every 10 games, he's doing it. And you have to think the odds on that will be good enough that, like, if you're hitting that one out of every 10, if you bet it every game, and you won it of every one out of every ten. Like, I mean, who knows? Maybe the odds weren't that good because it was Wayne Gretzky and he's putting up two hundred points a year. <laughs> like, are are you getting even money on over three and a half points? Maybe not. I think. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you would be, but yeah, but but I maybe not by that much. I mean, compared to today's standards, like if you're looking to bet on somebody for a four point night, I don't care if it's Connor McDavid or, or somebody else. You're getting some very <laughs> favorable odds on that. I don't think you're getting quite the same look uh, with old Wayno. The 2020 season, McDavid and Drysaddle were like, for the first, I don't know, a couple of months of the season, the odds were so good. And I had a couple of buddies who were like, oh, let's throw it down. Two and a half points over. And those two would just hit it like night and night. Was out. that those the, games co- against was that Ottawa? the co- I was going to say, the, yeah. the, the Canadian division year. They oh, cleaned yeah. up. Games against Ottawa <laughs> and maybe Vancouver. Maybe Vancouver. Montreal, it, I don't know. Well, Montreal went to the cup final that year, didn't they? I mean... Not like they were a, a world beater in the regular season, but yeah, that it was it was free money that year with Leon and Connor because uh, yeah, every, like the regular lines are over one and a half points, and you you see you up that to over two, you're making an absolute killing. They lit up the Sens that year, man. They uh, they certainly did. Just look at some aggressive numbers, like the 200 point seasons, three years in a row, was four away from making it six straight years, like. Guy was unbelievable. Head and shoulders above the rest. Uh, the text line here, oh, imitation Tom says, you don't have more assists than anyone else has points without lighting things up frequently. Yeah, very, very true. Facts. Uh, what did you think of the game last night and, uh, you know, the the ability to come back here? I, I think it's it's fantastic to see that they have that ability, but my goodness, if they could just get out to a quick start in one of these games and maybe take the 2 nothing lead, might be a little less stressful for the Oilers fans. But, hey, if you're live betting... And at three nothing, you threw some money down. You knew it was coming. I tweeted it. Hey, this is when they're going to start to come. Yeah, second straight game, the Oilers have erased a two nothing deficit. A fifth straight game where they did not score the first goal, but managed to pull out a win. Uh, most of those, they only went down by a, goal, a score of one nothing in the game, with the exception of the last two, as I just mentioned. But um, I'll be honest, in the first period, I wasn't, I didn't love. I mean, the Oilers were playing fine, but once again, against a tired Seattle team, the end of this arduous road trip like I I really wish the Oilers would have come out with a little more pep off the hop and I mean hey two breakaway goals uh could have been a third uh Brandon Tanev kind of loses the handle on the the move to his backhand um I don't know I thought this maybe you can tell me if I'm totally out to lunch I don't know if the Oilers are being a little too cute with it in the first period we saw McDavid come down kind of a a mini two-on-one with Dreisaitl waiting waiting and tried to feather it to Leon back door like you're Connor McDavid you you should feel free to shoot the puck and I he's one of the smartest players in the entire league he's looking for the best play um but like I don't know like with the defender right in front of you I love shoot there so I I Maybe that's not the right way to put it about being too cute, but that, that first that first period it just wasn't um, 
quite as seamless, I guess. But even when they went down 2 nothing, after what we've seen from them over this recent stretch, I don't think anybody doubted their ability to get back in the game. And we did kind of see, I think, fatigue and especially frustration start to creep in for Seattle throughout the remainder of the contest uh, between the goal being called back on the offside call. Um, you know, <laughs> the officiating was a little suspect on what they did call and then opposed to what they did not call throughout the game. And, and it pretty well came to a boiling point at the end. Uh, Yanni Gord uh, with the major penalty on Ekholm, just uh, Frank Saravalli reporting that he will, in fact, have a hearing with player safety um, to discuss that hit. 5-9 to 6-3. Is it suspension worthy? I don't think so. I, I, honestly, even it being a five-minute major, I thought was a little questionable for me. It might be a matter of, you know, setting, like for the officials kind of trying to take control of the game at the end there, trying to discourage any more extracurriculars from taking place. Um, but a win's a win, and, and the Oilers are finding different ways to do it. Right now, they're actually a surprisingly apt defensive team. And apart from the disallowed goal, Stuart Skinner with another great night, if that had gone in, we might be having a different conversation here this morning because it was not a great goal. A virtually went right through him <laughs> on the short side. Uh, but it's disallowed, so it doesn't matter. We can virtually erase it from our memory. Uh, he remains hot. The, the defensive structure is, is much improved continually as we move forward, and they're still scoring at a decent enough pace um, to keep themselves above water and 12 wins in a row, nothing to shake a stick at. Yeah, I mean, a couple of things you said there, like the the too cute thing, I get that because McDavid scored 64 goals last year. Shoot the puck. You sh- he should be thinking he has shoot shot. first all the time. Leon Dreisaitl is a multiple 50-goal scorer. Like, shoot the puck. Like you, you have that ability. I thought McDavid last year, and we really saw it. I mean, he showed he can score in every single way. There are times where it crosses my mind, but then I also see like, where I think that, and then he delivers a pass only maybe he and Drysaddle can make, and then it's a tap-in goal, and I'm like, okay, that's why you're there, and I'm here. Um, the play, yeah, I, I for me, five minutes was enough. I don't like players leaving their skates when you're, you know, Yanni Gord, who's I think 5'9", Ekholm 6'3", 6'4", clearly he left his feet. I think a lot of times we see people leave the feet, and it's after contact, mm-hmm. and people overreact. It's like, that's just kind of what happens. It's physics, right? You hit your momentum carries you you leave your feet that was to get to the proper height so i didn't mind the five minutes Uh, obviously they reviewed it decided to go with it and that was okay but you know what i i like that kind of hockey i i like seeing mcdavid and yanni gord going back and forth exchanging little cross checks like that's playoff hockey that's going to ignite the rivalries and you know what hey mcdavid doesn't have to be loved by everyone I'll, i'll occasionally post one of his plays uh maybe the elbow comes up a little quick the first night, everyone loves it, and then I wake up the next morning, and I have fans from other, the other markets the other fan like, bases, it's this work. guy's dirt, suspend him, and it, it, he's not, you know, he has been suspended for things, but he's the best player on the planet. I don't like, or I don't mind a little edge. I don't ever want him to be in the Lady Bing conversation. I think that's what just makes him... Uh, as good as he is. It, 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 it certainly adds a different element to him, and, and we see it from a guy like Nathan McKinnon, who is uh, right up there with Connor, uh, probably even yeah. a step or two ahead of him in the Hart Trophy conversation this season. Like Nathan McKinnon's a bulldog out there. He will skate around you or he'll skate through you. We, we certainly see McDavid choose the around route more than often. Uh, more often than not, pardon me. But they said he's not afraid to throw a shoulder down in the corner. Um, maybe even, you know, uh, an extra whack after the play, kind of mix it up coming out of a, uh, a fray below the goal line, hands up in the opponent's face. It, and we had several texts over the course of the carry show this morning. Like when McDavid is playing that way, that's usually when he's then playing his best 
elsewhere on the ice with the puck, making passes. Because it, it kind of like ignites a, a fire underneath you, right? And I'll be honest, God, I really hope this spills over into tomorrow night's game in Calgary. Because um, we, we saw a lot of feistiness from the Oilers in the uh, back half of this game against Seattle. And Calgary, the, the fans there, or the team there, they should be pretty fired up because they had a chance in that game last night. The disallowed goal, which is technically the right call, but it's like, you, you roll your eyes at it because how far did the play carry on? How What difference in the play did the quote-unquote hand pass make? Mm-hmm. Pretty minimalistic, I would say, if any at all. So I'm hoping that they're fired up. And you got it. Like, they're obviously very motivated. The arch rival from uh, north of the QE2, they want to stop this winning streak in its track. So I, I hope that we get some fireworks tomorrow night as well. Yeah. I, even just the goal last night that was disallowed for the Kraken, like the player going off. Yeah. The like, we, I remember that happening like when that rule kind of came in, it was Jordan Eberle, I believe. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, it's just like, that's that's not the rule. And Come it's, on. It's, it's unfortunate because in different arenas, the benches are not all in the same spot yeah. relative to the blue lines, right? <laughs> so it kind of changed. And, like, was it technically offside? Yeah, I guess. Did it create a, you know, quote, competitive advantage for them in that play? I don't think so. I, the player that actually came on the ice was onside and, you know, quote, unquote, tagged up. It, uh, it it's the the goal the goal in the Calgary game more so really puts the exclamation point on we need to review the review process yeah because whether it be some of the Zach Hyman goals that have been disallowed like it's it slows the game down and once again it had no real impact on the play itself obviously I was glad the Seattle goal got called back. That ties the game. It. And yeah. like I said, a bit of a softy for Skinner compared to how he's been playing lately. You, you'd expect him to stop that 10 times out of 10. Uh, so I'm not going to say I was disappointed in the result. But once again, I think uh, Seattle fans certainly have a reason to, uh, to kind of throw their hands up in the air and say, what are we what are we doing here, right? It's like when uh, in the NFL, you know, that, that big lineman's hustling off the field and the, the play snapped. And he's one step on the yeah, field. Yeah, his back like, leg is still in the field of play. Like. You know how much it impacted. It is the rule. It's black and white. But you just wonder if we could just say, you know what, let it go. Like, can we can we have like a common sense clause? Yeah. And they're like, once again, did it actually impact the result of the play? But when it helps my Chargers, <laughs> I love it. What <laughs> this? Uh, and I want to throw this one out to the listeners too. What is your least favorite like ticky tack call across sports? Like, is it the by the technically by the rule that's a holding call but did it matter or uh like pi downfield holding or in the nhl some of these offside or goal interference like what ticky tack type uh calls by the officials upset you the most whether it's your favorite team or not they always make you roll your eyes or throw your hands up in the air third and 20 a five yard penalty gives you an automatic first down i would just say you know what make it third and 10 give them 10 yards give them five yards but not an automatic but when it's like holding like on like three yards downfield on a d- defensive back or six yards downfield and the team gets an automatic first down that drives me crazy it's like it was third and 20 come on even if he throws there he's not getting the extra 15 yards 10 yard penalty replay third, third down. down yeah That's why not uh, uh, for me it's pass interference the, i do not think they strongly enough enforce the uncatchable rule on yeah. pass interference balls like especially on underthrown balls like that drives me nuts. And some teams and some quarterbacks, shout out my boy Joe Flacco and Tua Tungavailoa over the course of their careers, they can exit. And I don't know if it's on purpose or not, but under throw balls to get pass interference penalties, it can move you all like to first and goal. Yeah. Sometimes, right? And it, In the it, end dri- zone. it drives me nuts. It drives me nuts. Yeah, for sure. And I then there's sometimes where I'm just like, hey, 
he would have caught that. That's Keenan Allen. He'd find a way. <laughs> I uh, That's a good one. I like that one on the pass interference. And uh, just, yeah, just what's uncatchable or not. But the puck over the glass drives me nuts. I, I feel like some, some listeners are going to agree to this, but the puck over the glass, I know why it's there, but it, it's just like, c- come on. The guy's not trying to do that. Just, just go away. <laughs> like, just stop. We got a bunch coming in here. Uh, we'll get to those probably in the third segment here. We also have a giveaway we'll be doing uh, at some point as well. Connor Halley, Brandon Douglas, Donnie P here on Fantasy Frenzy. Brett's asking about a parlay. Yeah, we'll get to that maybe in the third segment here for the weekend. Uh, we've got uh, no name on this one. He should get suspended and most likely will. That's Yanni Gord. I'll disagree. I'll say the five and Ekholm being okay will factor and they Does he won't. get a fine? As maybe a fine. Maybe a fine. Fine, Max. We'll yeah, see. I, I, I do not see a suspension coming out of this hit. I would be shocked. But if you uh, give us your name, we'll give you credit if it happens. We'll take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk a little fantasy football with Alan Soslowski of Rotowire as well as Sirius XM Fantasy. You're listening to Fantasy Frenzy. Hallie Douglas, Donnie P here on Sports 1440. 1122, thank you for tuning in to Fantasy Frenzy here on Sports 1440. Brought to you by Wilhawk Beef Jerky. Home of Alberta's best beef jerky. Check them out online at wilhawkbeefjerky.com. Connor Halley, Brandon Douglas, Donnie P with you here. Coming to you live from the Stingray Studios at West Edmonton Mall. Any questions? 1-833-401-1440 is the text line and the best way to get them in. Uh, Brett wanted a parlay and then sent this into us. Texans, plus nine and a half. Niners, minus nine and a half. Lions, minus six and a half. The Bills, minus three. Book it. I think I'm almost in agreement there. I, I I think the Lions will win on Sunday. I'm not sure if they cover uh, the six points, but every and the Bill uh, honestly Bills Chiefs game. I think it's a coin flip. I think the three points is a pretty generous, pretty generous line. But uh, hey, Chiefs are on the road. First time ever for Patty Mahomes in the playoffs. Yeah, it's gonna be fun. I cannot wait for it all to get going. Starts tomorrow afternoon. Right now, let's get to our fantasy wizard brought to you by the Canadian Brew House. If you did win or qualify with your gold ticket, make sure you uh, head down to your location of the CBH next Sunday, AFC-NFC Championship weekend, where uh, one lucky winner will be qualified to go to the Super Bowl down in Las Vegas. Also, make sure you get the rewards app and uh, enjoy. Go watch some hockey tomorrow night. Battle of Alberta going to be fantastic. We bring in friend of the show, Alan Seslowski of Rotowire and Sirius XM Fantasy. You can hear him Sunday mornings at 7 a.m. our time. 9 a.m. Eastern Time. Alan, good afternoon. How are you doing today? Uh, I am ready for what I think, and I hope you guys agree, this is the best weekend of football. You know, the wild cards, especially since they added an extra team, it seems like those, uh, well, I guess Green Bay proved me wrong with the seventh team, but a lot more times in the wild card round, you get like the Pittsburghy team that really <laughs> probably should not be in there, but now we're down to the final eight teams. These are the teams that there's no more hiding plays. There's no more like saving it. It is, uh, th- this is my favorite weekend of football, including we get our, it should be like a, a national, international holiday, Kansas City at Buffalo. It seems like that's like the game we all circle every year for the playoffs. I don't care if it's in the conference final. I don't care if it's in the divisional round. At least we're getting it. 
You're 100% right. I mean, last weekend, I'm never going to say no to six football games, but outside of the Rams and Lions, the next closest margin was 14 points. That was the Bills-Steelers game. So I totally agree with you. I think this weekend's going to be fantastic. Four fun ones. And uh, let's just start off here. If you're doing some little daily fantasy uh, over the weekend, maybe we'll start off on, let's say it's just Saturday. You've got the Ravens-Texans. You've got the Packers-Niners. Going to be fantastic. It all kicks off 2.30 Mountain Time. Who are some players you're watching for in this uh, these two games? Well, if you're talking about daily fantasy, I don't care that the matchup is bad against San Francisco. Aaron Jones looks like he's 25 years old again. Five 100-yard games in a row. People are going to steer clear of Aaron Jones. Uh, one, because he's the second highest uh, on the board at 6,700, and also because of the, quote, bad matchup. When you play these daily games, if you're like playing one-on-ones, cash games, sure, you're going to always take the McCaffrey's and then, you know, just go 2v2 on the rest of the lineup or whatever it is. But in the, the key in DFS, as you guys know, you've been playing a long time, is you have to have not only players that score, but you have to have them like kind of a unique lineup. And in a uh, two-game slate, Getting a unique lineup sometimes means going against the grain. So the expensive guy with the bad matchup that's been hot to me seems like obvious, but I'm looking at some like early DFS projections and of the running backs that can be a slate breaker, he's the one that I have my eyes on, guys. Now, the Houston Texans-Ravens matchup is fascinating to me, and we saw what C.J. Stroud did to the Browns' defense last year. It seemed like you know big plays over the top were continually open. How do you like C.J. Stroud going up against this Ravens' defense in Baltimore? Don't the Houston Texans still have that, like, kind of happy-to-be-here vibe, you know? I mean, it's not like, um, for example, like the Detroit Lions, right? Like, there was a happy-to-be-there uh, sort of vibe going on with them. Then they were like, no, 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 we're, we're going the whole way here. Uh, I love C.J. Stroud. I mean, who doesn't love C.J. Stroud? In fact, I know this seems like a crazy comp, but based on just what we've seen in such a short sample size, Stroud reminds me of, like, Joe Montana. And, again, of course, he's not going to win multiple Super Bowls. We can't project that, right? But just like his poise in the pocket, he's able to, to process quickly, doesn't get rattled at all. So, of course, I love C.J. Shroud. And you have to think, though, no Tank Dell so far, Noah Brown, who, you know, come on, that's like their third or fourth receiver. But he's an important part of this offense, and he's not going to be there. Baltimore Ravens, I mean, the pressure is, is – you would think that the pressure is on them, but I saw a video – Lamar Jackson was, like, throwing snowballs at practice. He is calm, cool, and collected. Uh, you know, the Houston Texans are a great story, guys, and, of course, I'll be rooting for him. But, you know, if my good money is on the line here right now, I love Baltimore, even with the big spread, the 9.5. This just seems like, you know, reality check-in. We're going to have Houston in our playoffs, in our fantasy leagues next year. We're going to be proactive on drafting all of those receivers in C.J. Shroud. But it just seems like – Logic says this is the end of the road for them. Alan Seslowski joining us here on Fantasy Frenzy. Check his work with Rotowire and Sirius XM Fantasy. Also, give him a follow on X at Alan Seslowski. Uh, just looking at that Niners game here, obviously, Christian McCaffrey is a guy who, you know, it'll be an expensive price, but he's a guy who seemingly scores a touchdown every week. If you were looking for the secondary options with that Niners offense, uh, Kittle, Ayuk, Debo Samuel, uh, what would the order be there for, for you of, you know, maybe likelihood of putting up points? You know, the, the interesting question is, do you, do you think Brock Purdy, who's a quarterback, and we know that quarterbacks score the most points, 
but who's going to score more points between Purdy and Christian McCaffrey, right? Like that's where you have to make your decision because you can't fit them both. So McCaffrey is going to be popular, one, because he's fun to watch. And, yeah, he's projected for the most points. I think Brock Purdy actually outscore him. So I know you asked more about the receivers, but I would pair Brock Purdy and go a little cheaper with, say, Ayuk on DraftKings, for example, is uh, 6900 So that's the way I would pivot off McCaffrey. Debo is still priced up. He's the second highest receiver on the slate after Amon. Only you're talking about Saturday only, but that's how I'm doing it on most of my lineups. Brock Purdy is not a sexy pick, right? Like nobody thinks that Brock Purdy is like this elite quarterback. They think that he's a product of the system for the most part, but we all know those who look deep, deep under the hood, he's been very good and he's very functional. So I'm going away from McCaffrey taking uh, Purdy and then pairing him with either Ayuk or even George Kittle if you want to pay up a little bit of tight end. Alan, one last one for me, and I'm going to look into next year because the Green Bay Packers receiving core fascinates me. I think it's just been so well balanced and spread out. They've got Jaden Reed, Romeo Dobbs, Ontavian Wiggs, and then Christian Watson only appeared in nine games this year but still finishes with 400 yards, five touchdowns. In the tight end position, Tucker Craft and Luke Musgrave both look like they can play. Heading into next year, uh, who would be your number one receiver off the board when it comes to the Green Bay Packers? I think the psychology of the fantasy draft market is going to gravitate towards Jaden Reed. One, he was a rookie that over-delivered expectations. And also, kind of reminds me a little bit of like Debo Samuel or back in the day, Percy Harvin. Remember that name, guys? Where he can get fantasy points by uh, running the ball a few times. He'll have a few rushing touchdowns. Can play all over the field in the middle. I believe that there's no bad pick here. And then you're going to see all like the, the, the data nerds go, well, the best value is the guy that you take in the 18th round. No. Just don't overthink Jaden Reed. He's probably going to end up like a fourth-round pick in fantasy drafts, and for good reason, right? I could even see, like, the crazies pushing him into the third round. I think he'll be the most popular. But if you do like a value, come on, guys. We all loved Christian Watson. It didn't work out because of injuries. And there's going to be risk with him next season as well. But I think all that risk is going to be priced in. If I would have to project where Christian Watson, last year's mega touchdown scorer and still – very efficient player when he did play. He'll probably be like an eighth-round pick, you know, seventh, maybe even a ninth-round pick. So if you miss out on Reed, I don't think you should, like, push the room out of the way to draft him next year. You could always get Christian Watson. But like I said earlier, guys, I think that Reed's going to be the hot name. Alan Soslowski from Rotowire, as well as Sirius XM Fantasy Radio on Channel 87. Uh, our guest here on Fantasy Frenzy, Brandon Douglas, Connor Halley with you. Uh, Alan, uh, I will speak back to what you mentioned about uh, the Texans kind of playing with house money. As a Texans fan, I will tell you, yeah, we're just happy to be here. Kind of, you know, make your rounds of the party, shake your hands, and uh, maybe try and sneak an extra cup of punch out the door. I, I, I'm with you. I'm not sure if they'll be able to cover the 9.5 points, but the line that curious, uh, makes me a little more curious is the 43.5 total in this game. It's supposed to be a cold day in Baltimore. Houston, of course, not only a warm-weather team uh, in the division they play in, but also, of course, a, a dome team down in Houston. So this total of 43.5 seems a little low for two teams that can really move the ball, but also two pretty decent defenses. What do you make of that line? Yeah, you brought up a really cool uh, thing about the weather, right? We're going to get a snow game. I love snow games. Who doesn't love snow games? Um, I think that the generally the sports book, especially in the playoffs on these standalone, very public national games, they do dare you to take the over, right? And they almost juice it up 
uh, a little bit because no, who likes to bet the under? I don't know anyone rooting for punts when they watch TV, right? <laughs> You're always rooting for more points. You're rooting for the pinball machine. So they, they dare you to take the over, and then sometimes, you know, it's like you're going to make money betting unders when you don't want to. And for that reason, Joe, because, you know, like now we get a lot of just public money, casual money coming into the sports betting markets as these games become more and more high profile. So I'm with you. The number looks low. But my experience being the donkey and taking the overs in this public's game, I'm just, you know, I'm too gun shy. I'll probably take the under no matter what. Uh, yeah, I'm with you. Life's too short to bet the under, right, Alan? But uh, when, the, <laughs> when the math makes sense, sometimes you got to bite the bullet. Uh, turning our attention yep. to the Sunday slate and back to the kind of daily fantasy approach, um, this Lions-Buccaneers game, Baker Mayfield has continually proved people wrong all year. He's had a tremendous season as probably one of, or if not the most inexpensive quarterback of the day. Uh, what do you like of his chances against this Lions defense that really hasn't improved that much uh, over the course of this season? If you're doing a bunch of daily lineups, Sure, you have to build uh, a Baker, Evans, Godwin type of stack, right? But if you're just doing a couple lineups, I loved Baker Mayfield all year long, just like you guys did. He he got me through some lean weeks in my fantasy season. But, man, I mean, they, I think they're being a little overrated right now because they beat up an Eagles team, which we now know was basically more like the second half of the season than they were in the first half of the season when they were a minus favorite to get to the Super Bowl. I mean, that seems crazy nowadays. So uh, the line – uh, yeah, the, the Tampa Bay – I think that line should even be a little bit higher. I think like seven and a half, eight mm-hmm. is the right line. Not only do I, my my best bet, uh, my double unit bet for that I'm doing. I'm not advising anyone to do follow me into crazy world here. <laughs> I'm going heavy on the lines. I don't. I think this is going to be a blowout game, guys. Uh, it's just that the Lions uh, they really just dismantled what we saw was a was a was a good team, right? I mean that was the Rams. It wasn't like the Rams had a bad day and the Lions took advantage of it. They took the Rams' best punches and won that game. By all accounts, anyone who was in that stadium said it was complete insanity in there and they couldn't even see or hear themselves think. I mean, this is the Lions fans have been waiting for this for decades and now they get to do it again. I mean, we had heard that the cheap seats were like five to eight hundred dollars US to get into the stadium. Guys, I think that like I said lastly that uh, Tampa is a little overrated because of their, their victory, but look who they beat. They beat up on a very wounded team that was trending down. Alan Soslowski joining us here on Fantasy Frenzy. Connor Halley, Brandon Douglas on Sports 1440. You can find Alan's work on Rotowire as well as Sunday mornings on Sirius XM Channel 87. Uh, I'll leave Connor to tee up the, the big one on Sunday night. Well, I got one more for you, Alan, about the Detroit-Tampa Bay game. Do we finally see Detroit lean towards a bell cow type run game uh, with Jameer Gibbs? Have they been limiting his touches all year so he's fresh for the playoffs? Or do we uh, think they'll continue to run this tandem back game all the way to the finish line? Well, I'll tell you, I got burned last week taking the over 51 and a half rushing yards for Jameer Gibbs because I was thinking this is the time where they make the full switch. But you know what? It's been working. And David Montgomery's not just some, some like, you know, I, I hate to make fun of your Houston Texans over there, guys, but he's not just some <laughs> Devin Singletary-style guy, right? David Montgomery is a plus above-average running back who deserves a good, I was going to say, line share. That would have been uh, a good chunk of the carries. Now, I know it's very cliche. You hear people talk about Cleveland Browns' Nick Chubb, like he's the best pure running back in the league. 
I genuinely believe Jameer Gibbs is like, at least other than Christian McCaffrey, the best pure running back in the league. I love what I see when I'm just watching the films and then the tape, and then I see it again backed up by the numbers. So although we want that to happen, David Montgomery's not going away. And if they get it in real close, it's so easy to see. Wait, oh, wait, I have Jameer Gibbs in my daily lineup. Why is he jogging off the field? Oh, here comes David Montgomery. Boom, touchdown. So <laughs> as much as we want it, I still believe Montgomery will at least, at least get 30 to 35% of the touches. And Alan, you, you touched on it earlier, just kind of that, that holiday-type game, the, the thing we all look forward to, Bills, Chiefs, Mahomes, Allen. Uh, expectations for this one, and I'm looking at it right now, snow today and tomorrow in Buffalo. What are we thinking here? I mean, this is like our, our Brady and Manning, right? Like this is, remember, for the last two decades, it was uh, Brady versus Manning in the playoffs and then occasionally Ben Roethlisberger mixed in. Now it's Mahomes and Josh Allen with occasionally uh, Joe Burrow mixed in. It, it's history repeating itself, but it, we got to love it. So the logic in me says, okay, these teams are basically more or less even. You take the points, right? And if you just think Kansas City is going to win, you take the, the money line. My favorite tease bet of the week, and by the way, tease bets are sucker bets. I know for all you sharks out there that are listening, but uh, my favorite teaser bet is taking the six points, adding it to Kansas City, get to the eight and a half, and then obviously uh, bringing Detroit down to more or less a pick em. But with this game, you just have to feel like that Kansas City, like they don't feel that playoff pressure anymore, right? They're way past that in their growth stage of, of being like a dynasty, for so, so to speak. Whereas Josh Allen, listen, he's done everything he's ha- he can do. I mean, the, that 13-second game, that's not on him. That was on the defense. But you look at this game and you think, man, Buffalo just lost more pieces of their defense, key pieces. Uh, Mahomes' defense is playing the best it's ever played. Kelsey's a little, has not been himself. Rishi Rice now on Kansas City is basically like a true alpha at this point. And you just have to think it's going to come down to who has the ball last. And in a game like that, give me the field goal. Give me the two and a half points. Uh, no one feels good. I mean, I just can't wait to watch this. I won't even need a wager on this one to, to really get the juices going. But I've already placed my chip on Kansas City. I've done it two different ways. I've done the Kansas City money line for a one unit. And then I, I'm embarrassed to say I went two unit bet on that teaser I just told you about. <laughs> oh, I love it, Alan. Hey, thanks so much for doing this today. Really appreciate it. And we'll get you on again later on down the road here. Anytime, guys. I love hanging with you. And good luck in all your bets and DFS this week. You as well. That is Alan Seslowski of Rotowire and Sirius XM Fantasy, one of our favorites. Always love having Alan pop on the show. He's our fantasy wizard for the Canadian Brew House. Uh, Brandon, we got a little giveaway you want, want to do here. What's what is it, and how are we giving it away? Okay, so uh, just to tee it up, so Lee, uh, great uh, texter of the show, saying that uh, unfortunately illness in the household. He's got to uh, unable to make it. He's got three passes, so I assume that's kind of three. You call them tickets to all three events tomorrow at the Grand Slam, the Co-op Grand Slam in Red Deer. That's a curling event. Um, and for if you're not a work even on Saturday, that means it's playoff time. So quarterfinal matchups and the oh, semifinal, yeah. the three draws, they take start at uh, noon, four, and eight. So he said you can have a full day. It is in Red Deer, so keep that in mind. If you are able to go, just send us a text with the word curling in it. 
and we would uh, be happy to uh, to keep you in the mix here. Like I said, Lee uh, just wants doesn't want them to go to waste. They're obviously great tickets, and uh, this like this is a grand slam event, a tour event. I'm a huge curling fan. I'm not gonna lie. If I didn't already have uh, some plans made tomorrow, I'd probably wouldn't have even put this out there. I would just take the <laughs> tickets for myself and go enjoy it. Um, great uh, from both the men and the women's side of things. So if you're interested or you're able to go in Red Deer tomorrow, just text us, say curling, and we'll uh, we'll keep you in the mix, and we'll hopefully get those given away here before the end of the show. Big thank you to Lee for uh, when he can't go, he still doesn't want him to go to waste. Shout out, Lee. So one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. text in curling if you're able to go to that. It is in Red Deer, so do remember that. Oh, man, a little curling. Would we call that a bond spiel? In or is it too big tradi- for a bond Traditionally, spiel? yeah. Like bond spiels are, I think I think the definition is usually means it's like a, a bracket type format is what makes it a bond spiel. Whereas these, uh, you know, pro tour curling events, they usually involve a round robin, some group play, and then into a bracket after that, depending on seating. So it, uh, I don't know if it qualifies as a bond spiel. But, uh, I mean, hey, it's curling all the same. The beers will be cold. The action yeah. will be great. And uh, I'll, I'll just say it. Red Deer gets a bad rap. Great city. Lots of uh, great local food spots to check out in between draws. Uh, and, of course, you can always check out the beer gardens actually in the building. So I'll take your word for it. I will take your word for it. Also, the donut mill. <laughs> yeah, definitely swing <laughs> Which over. Which I to, think has dropped off. Swing but. over to Gasoline Alley and check out <laughs> the donut mill. <laughs> We'll take a break. Uh, text and curling if you want to head out to that. Again, thank you to Lee for sending those into us. Hope the family feels better. We'll take a break. It is uh, Fantasy Frenzy, Hallie, Douglas, Donnie P here on Sports 1440, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. 1146 Fantasy Frenzy, Hallie, Douglas, Donnie P with you here. The show brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. Check them out online, wilhockbeefjerky.com. It is the final segment on a Friday, uh, Friday morning of Fantasy Frenzy. So, you know, we're Baja blasting off here. Looking forward to the weekend. I uh, should let you know, coming up on Sports 1440, of course, we do have the lowdown with Low Tide coming up. Uh, Declan's going to be on location. So we've got intern Donovan, Donnie P, as I like to call him, will be uh, running the board here from noon to two on the show today. I mean, Declan Kruger will be by with his declinations. Of course, they're going to do that. Also, they will have Steve Lansky on at 1 and then Tyler Uremchuk of Oilers Nation and Daily Faceoff at one twenty on the Jason Greger Show. We've got uh, the voice of the Bakersfield Condors, Ryan Holt, swinging by. He'll let us know how Dylan Holloway's doing and more. Lorianne Munzer will join us. Jason Wewat of Cattail will be by. We've got Wanya Gretz, Craig Button, Mark Spector, Alan Mitchell, and more. That's coming up at 2 o'clock on this Positive Friday on the Jason Greger Show. Right now, though, uh, we missed it earlier on today, so let's get to it. It's the Snow Valley Ski Report. This is the Sports 1440 Ski Report. Your ski report for Friday, January 19th, brought to you by Snow Valley Ski Club. Start your skiing journey at snowvalley.ca. It's a big weekend coming up on the slopes as temperatures are climbing up to single minus digits in the mountain parks, and the conditions are overall about as good as they've been so far this winter. At Marmot Basin in Jasper, they've had 10 centimeters of new snow in the last four days and six of their seven lifts operating. No new snow in the last day at the big three resorts of Sunshine, Lake Louise, and Northway down in Banff, but the lifts are all running at all three resorts. Castle mountain 25 centimeters in the last week still not quite enough for the shoots to open up for the season and over the last two days nakiska has four centimeters of new snow kicking horse with five rebel still three fernie 16 kimberly 17 and panorama 11 centimeters fresh we're now into midwinter and the local hills are rolling out the events and activities at rabbit hill the first leg of the triple down terrain park series goes on sunday while at edmonton ski club a winter pride party is happening all day on saturday and a 
snowboard demo on Sunday. At Sunridge tonight, it's the Hops on the Hill event with local craft beers, tubing, live music, and of course, skiing and snowboarding. Sunday at Snow Valley is World Snow Day, an international event produced by FIS that features family-friendly race skates, an obstacle course, and swag while it lasts. The season is in full swing. Get out now and enjoy it. That is your Snow Valley Ski Report. There you go. Looking like a, uh, with the weather getting better, the ski report is going to be clutch for you skiers and snowboarders and maybe the rare snow blader. <laughs> Me included. <laughs> Love getting out there and ripping up the tree runs with the blades on. Baby. Watch out for those bladers. They watch, are dangerous. Watch out for me because I will be ripping past you down the hill. Uh, yeah, I, I, the weather is fine. Like, get some snow done. There's some more snow falling in the mountains, obviously. Weather's supposed to be really nice next week. Man, if there's ever a time to get out and check it out, this would be it. And as always, Wednesday through Friday, listen, Kevin, uh, the first thing in the morning, we usually run the 9 o'clock hour, and then Gregor and Connor in the afternoon run it again. So if you miss it, you can get a second chance at it, and we'll keep you uh, up to date on where the best best conditions are looking like and what uh, all the main resorts across basically all of Western Canada are kind of serving up for you on any given weekend. So stay tuned for that the rest of the season. A lot of text I want to rip through here. Uh, Rob says, Ernie received a fine for a lesser elbow against the Kraken. The player Gord, the player play by Gord was much worse, Rob. Hey, Rob, we'll see. I'll, I'll eat crow if, if it happens, if he gets suspended. Uh, I, I don't know. The player's department of safety is just so, eh, you never really know. Uh, we talked about rules you don't like. The underthrown wide receiver come back to the player. Er, the underthrown ball. They play the wide receiver. And come back and get PI. We all know what this text is trying to say. Uh, I just can't read, apparently. Tiger texting in. I get it bothers people, but it's a rule, and we have to have some rules. We just can't let everybody decide whether they want or want it. Yeah, I mean, hey, some rules are black and white, too, and pretty easy to call. And even if it frustrates us, you just have to accept it. That's the way it is. Maybe the league will change these things. Maybe won't. Uh, drives me nuts that on penalty kill that icing isn't icing anymore. You took the penalty. You shouldn't have the advantage of being able to ice the puck. We actually had that that texted to us yesterday as well. Spaghetti says the fumble out of the end zone for a touchback. Dumb rule. Agreed. Yeah, I think we can all agree with that one. Sometimes it bails out your team, though. <laughs> Hi, it's Rodrigo. You made a good point about that penalty in the NFL. Man, we, I'm going to assume that's for both of us. Brandon, we both make All the points, points we make are good, Connor. <laughs> no, there's nothing bad. <laughs> like we said yesterday, we were s- serving up ways for the NHL to improve. They were all good ideas, and I can't believe we're giving them away for yeah, free. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Darren says, puck over the glass is no different than icing. It just sounds... It sounds just be a face-off in your own end Should without a line. A, Should just be a face-off. <laughs> I'm just going to read it context as it Connor. comes in here. You know what? I'm I'm Ron Burgundy. I read it as it comes in. Sometimes I catch myself. Sometimes I don't. Tyler J says players aren't trying to shoot the puck over the glass only because they can get a penalty. They absolutely used to purposely shoot the puck over the glass before the penalty was brought in. Yeah, I mean, hey, it was a great way to, to catch your breath. It was an easy play. Sometimes we know it's unintentional. Puck kind of rolls on them. But if you're going to call one, it just sucks. You have to call it all. Pacheco, monster game, Casey wins. That comes from Montana to Rice. I thought that last game, I thought Pacheco's a guy in these conditions you got to utilize and really uh, make him earn his keep. He's a mean runner. Uh, Travis says the comeback from offside to relieve a pass offside rule in soccer. I would say for the majority of our listeners, 
that that one is kind of like yeah I don't know but then when it happens at like World Cup and Canada's there or you know it it plays a, a big impact so I get that one Husk says indeed okay we were talking about uh, potentially getting Soros he asked uh, what do you think it would take I think Soros was brought up last year multiple first round picks for the Oilers to make that work with their cap you got probably to get Jack Campbell out so not only are you paying for Soros you're paying for someone to take Jack Campbell. I mean, there's other ways to make it work, but Campbell's the easiest one. So I don't, I think the way Stuart Skinner's played right now, if he can keep it up, you're probably pretty happy with it. But Saros, uh, about a month ago, I was pretty pretty intrigued by him. Ear Candy says, OMG, you're focusing low tide on the poor kid. Godspeed, Donovan. Yeah, Donovan's going to be running the show with, with Alan Mitchell. <laughs> Stick around to see how that goes. Did Ekholm go to the quiet room? No. There was no concussion policy, anything like that for him. I don't believe, unless after the game, but he went to the box and he was pretty ticked off about it. So I thought the reaction was quite appropriate for Matthias Ekholm. And Connor McDavid, he flew in too. I don't mind uh, bang, bang plays, but you, you leave your feet. That that kind of stuff I don't like. And to a certain extent, the games will always police itself. You boys want to tweet out what you're betting this weekend? I suck at betting, so any insight would be awesome. I missed some of your guests' insight on the weekend bets. Have a great weekend and go Texans. Fat Efron podcast, my friend. Check us out on uh, Apple, wherever you get it from. Google, Spotify, the uh, second segment, probably about 17 minutes in, 18 minutes in. Give it another listen. Alan had some good bets there. Uh, Brandon, you will tweet those out, though. Uh, yeah, I usually tweet out what, I, what I'm on for the day. I certainly can. I'll be honest. I really liked Alan's pick of teasing those two Sunday games. And like he said, yes, the tease bets are usually for suckers. But extending the, the Chiefs to kind of cover about 10 points, I, I think, is a solid move. And then uh, the Lions basically just to win on the money line, which I think they will do. Uh, Alan said he thinks the Lions are going to win by a landslide. I'm not so sure. Uh, I think that game might be close, but I'm confident in the Lions pulling out the victory. So tell you what, there's there's my first pick, just to reiterate what Alan said. I love uh, love tease the Lions down to the money line and then tease the Chiefs down to plus uh, plus nine and a half, ten. Parlay those together and you might get about uh, maybe close to even money. Uh, Wood in the fail. He's the one who's going to be going to the curling this yes, weekend. Yes, we're gonna we're gonna get the uh, the trans the ticket transfer lined up here between him and Lee. So uh, Wood from the fail, that being in his fail, a nice uh, local one. So we will uh, get that lined up. And uh, shout out Lee again for providing those tickets for us. And uh, I hope uh, Wood in the fail enjoys his time down at the Grand Slam this weekend. Mitchell says, if a five minute major should be, if a five minute major should to the head isn't worthy of being pulled by the spotter and it's not worthy of supplemental discipline that's kind of what i thought matthias ekholm it, it, it wasn't an ideal hit he reacted he was okay there was a text that came in earlier that you know the the injury shouldn't impact it and i agree you should be penalizing the act and not the result but i still think that the department of player safety does look at that imitation tom Nobody is good at betting, LOL. Yeah. No. That was to our previous texter, so they're not good at betting. I don't think too many are. Yeah, people that say they make a living out of that, yeah, right. <laughs> and uh, finally, Wesley Snipes says, Casey is really healthy. Yeah, hey, they're, they're healthy at the right time of the season. It's going to be a fun one over the weekend. I think Alan Mitchell is good at betting. Maybe he'll share some advice with you on the Lowdown with Low Tide coming up next. Text him, 1-833-401-1440. Ask him for some advice this weekend. Thank you to Alan Seslowski, our guest, for hopping on this show today. It was a lot of fun. If you missed it, head over to the podcast 
areas, wherever you get them from, Apple, Spotify, Google, etc. Give us a download, a subscription. We really do appreciate it. For Brandon Douglas and Intern Donovan, Donnie P., He's got a he's got a lot of names. We're gonna we'll iron that out as this uh, practicum goes on here. Thank you guys for tuning in, and we'll talk to you on Monday. Let's get to an update for Wilhock Beef Jerky locations in Leduc, Bruce Grove, and West Edmonton Mall. WilhockBeefJerky.com.